You are listening to audio from the Rail City campus of CA Church. We are a church fervently committed to bringing the good news to the city of Port Moody. We hope this message helps you grow in your personal relationship with Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. The light has come. Oh, there we go. Oh, there I am. Well, good to see everyone. Uh, my name is David, one of the uh, pastors at uh, CA Church. And I don't know if you know this, but next week is Christmas. Like a week from today is Christmas Eve. I can see some of the guys going, uh. Now, if it helps, I haven't done my shopping either. Um, though I did make it to the mall. I go to the mall once a year. And uh, I timed it okay. So I went to the mall. But uh, my kids will tell you, I have one sentence that I say every time I go to the mall. And it goes something like this. I hate the mall. <laughs> I mean, it's a busy time of year. And I just hate everything about the mall. I used to work in the mall. I worked retail during Christmas. And it was crazy. Um, and it's a busy time of year, but I do like, I do like Advent. I love the season leading up to Christmas, but I will say this, not all my memories of Christmas, not all my memories of Advent were positive. In fact, every year, uh, this time of year, I remember one particular Christmas, which was really, really a bad Christmas. And it took place, I can tell you when it took place, it took place uh, Christmas uh, 1993, in the days of yore. Um, I was, um, some of you know, I, I used to live overseas, and I used to work overseas, and um, I was working for a company in Shanghai, and, and uh, some of my colleagues and I, it was Christmas Eve, so we thought we'd go out, and uh, we went out, and uh, we went to a bar. And I remember being at the bar and just saying, oh, this is so depressing because I was looking at some of the Christmas decorations and it was kind of, kind of cheesy and a lot of the decorations didn't make a whole lot of sense. And, and I was just feeling really down. And uh, at that time, my life was a, in a bit of a mess. I'd given up in trying to find meaning to this life. And I thought, you know, maybe meaning was found in money or power or pleasure and so at the bar, I just remember that night, uh, my colleagues and I, we drank a lot. We just drank a lot. And I was just feeling really depressed. 
And we were heading back uh, to the hotel where we were living. And I'll tell you, you know, one of the most lonely places to live in the world is a hotel. And that's where we lived, in, the, in this hotel. And so we're coming back, and we're all packed in the back of this uh, cab. And um, we're, we're making our way back to the hotel. And out of nowhere, a dump truck comes right across our path, <clears throat> hits us square, hits us straight on. And um, I, I don't know how we lived. The only thing I can think of is that um, the, the car that we were in, the cab that we're in, like in, in, in Chinese, there's this thing called uh, which is like a loaf of bread car. But basically, it's a car that weighs like 85 pounds. It's just tin. And, and so it hit us straight on. And what happened is, is, our, is our car went flying across the road. Like it, we actually went right across the road. We just, and then we kind of stopped. And then we, we kept driving. We drove off to the hotel. And, I, and when I got back to the hotel, I was in my room, and I was just thinking, what's going on? What's going on with my life? Um, how, how, what would have happened if I had died? And I just remember feeling really, really heavy. Now, my guess is that some of you are here this morning. And you may be in that place right now. And you're here, but you have tough memories of Christmas. For me, I didn't know um, tidings of comfort and joy. Um, I was kind of like the people walking in darkness in the Isaiah prophecy um, that had not seen the, the light. Um, I was afraid. I was afraid that my life was meaningless. Uh, that, and if, if, if life is meaningless, then I was asking the question, then what's the point of living? And then some of you, again, may be in this place this morning. You're here because somebody invited you, but your heart is heavy. And your heart is especially heavy because everybody's smiley and there's all those tinsels and lights all around you. So I want to say to you this morning something that um, a friend of mine said to me just a few weeks after that, that, uh, that accident. And he said it to me in a, in a hotel in, in Hong Kong. We're, we're, we're meeting together. And uh, my friend was a Christian. I was not. But he said to me, he goes, David, David, the light has come. The light has come. And the story of Advent is this, the light has come. And what this means is that the second person of the Trinity, of the Godhead, the one who is called the Word, the Word who was with God, the Word who is God, the mystery of God himself has come. That God has come into history. The light has come into the world. That Jesus, the Word, has entered into fragile human flesh and as a fragile human being entered into space and time. So you have to get this. It's easy to miss. But the, the Christian faith is, is historical. It's rooted in history. Our faith is, is, is rooted in a person 
and an event. The person is Jesus Christ, and the event is his incarnation, his life, death, and resurrection. We believe that something happened in history. And the trajectory of history will never be the same, and the trajectory of our lives will never be the same. Jesus, the light of the world, has come into space, time, and history. Now, I say this to you. I say this to you, but I, I, I'm guessing that some of you who are sitting here, maybe you came with a friend or you're just checking out the church. My guess is some of you are sitting here and you hear me say this, that the light has come and deep down in your heart you're thinking, yeah, right. And you're too polite. You don't want to say anything. But, but in, in your heart of hearts, you're, you're, you have in your mind, um, you know, the old, call, the old uh, question, the bar question. Says who? Says who? How do you know this, David? I mean, the light has come. It sounds good. Sounds good. But how do you know this has actually happened in time and space, as you put it? Well, a big part of how we can say this, how I can say this, is because of eyewitnesses. There are eyewitnesses to the person and the event. And often I hear people say, yeah, eyewitnesses. You can't, you, you, can't, you can't believe these guys. I'm like, why? Why not? If there's enough people from various backgrounds and interests who are eyewitnesses and give testimony to the person in the event of Jesus, why, why should we write them off? Because you have to realize, in the first century, the idea of God becoming human was unusual even back then. In fact, it was especially unusual if you're a, Gre a Greco-Roman thinker because in a Greco-Roman mindset, the idea of God, the infinite, the impossible, becoming flesh is absolutely ridiculous. They would have had a hard time with that. The other thing you need to know is that in the olden days, even in the first century, dead people tended to stay dead. It's not like, oh, in the olden days, people always believed that people would come back to life. No, people who died tended to stay dead. And so when you have someone who's resurrected, it would even capture the attention of people living in the first century. There are witnesses. There's a guy named um, Richard Balcom, who's a professor of history and New Testament at Cambridge University. And he's written a book, and it's called Jesus and the Eyewitnesses. And he makes that point. He says, like, there's actually lots of eyewitnesses, and we need to pay attention to these. So who are some of the witnesses? Who, who's the witness that shows up in our passage today? Who's the key witness? What's his name? <laughs> Come on. John the, John the Baptist. All right, 10 points to Gryffindor. That's well done. Uh, yes, John the Baptist. And he shows up at the beginning of all the Gospels by name. And he prepares people for the coming of the light. And I love the way he's introduced. Because you have this, in the beginning was a word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And it goes, and then there was this man. It's pretty ordinary talk. There was this guy who saw some pretty important things. It's the realm of history. 
And in the book of John, we come across John the Baptist is a man who is sent by God to bear witness to the light, to Jesus. Somehow this John the Baptist comes into contact with God. He's sent by God to prepare people for the coming of Jesus. He's to bear witness to the coming of the light. Now, what do we know about John? Well, we know he's uh, last of a line of great prophets uh, who range right from the Old Testament right into the New Testament, who uh, speak forth the truths of God. And in our passage, he points to the coming of Jesus. And, and when he sees Jesus, um, how does he point him out? Does anybody know? He goes, look, the the Lamb of God. And we're always like, oh, behold, the Lamb of God. You know, to call somebody a lamb in the first century was not really a great thing. It had a bit of an ominous undertone because lambs tended to be slaughtered. So John said, behold, the Lamb of God takes away the sins of the world. And as we make our way through the book of John, it's amazing to see this about John because one of the things about John you have to realize is that John is a charismatic figure. If John was in this room, we'd know him. We'd spot him, right? Because of the clothes he wore. He wore some weird clothes. He had, and, and, and his lunch choices, you know, locusts and honey. Kind of strange. John was a charismatic figure, and we read that he had lots of followers. They were following this charismatic leader. But, and we have to see this, every step of the way, John, rather than building up a following, what does he do? He points away from himself and he points to Jesus. And we even read about some followers of John and John saying, hey, look, there's Jesus. And the followers go and they follow Jesus, uh, they follow, uh, Jesus instead of following John. So John's posture was that of, of a witness. But there's another key witness at play here. And it's not easy to see him. There's another key witness at play in these passages. He's always present. He blends into the background every now and then. He shows up into the story. Who's this other witness? I'll give you a hint. It's the same name. <laughs> it's John. But John, the author of the Gospel of John. And he shows up every now and then. He's known as John the Evangelist. And, and I think he's, he is one of the witnesses. And we know this, actually. <laughs> it's not just me thinking this. He says this in, in, John, um, in John chapter 20. He says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but they're written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. And then we also read at the very end, he goes, This is a disciple, I'm him, right? Who is bearing witness about these things and who has written these things, and we know that his testimony is true. And then in 1 John, which is a letter that John writes, he goes, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, we have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and we testify to you that it's true. And that's pretty clear. John's gospel is written by the apostle, a very close one, who is in direct contact with Jesus throughout his whole life, death, and resurrection. So these are some key witnesses that show up in the text. But there's other ones, right? Mary would probably be a pretty good witness since she gave birth to Jesus. Um, there's another Mary who is kind of rescued uh, out of great darkness by the light. 
There's the other gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Um, there's his apostles, disciples. There's lots of women who are witnesses to Jesus. There's a guy named Paul who wrote most of the New Testament. And Paul also says, and it's almost a throwaway line, he goes, and there were hundreds of other people that saw the resurrection of Jesus. I'm like, oh, okay, so, so there's lots of witnesses. And my point is that there are lots of witnesses and we can't simply dismiss it. And there are, they have all one thing in common. They're given testimony to the fact in history the light has come. But we can keep going. There's other witnesses throughout history who have experienced the transforming power of the light of the world. Now, there was a time years ago where I saw a witness to the light of the world that just forever changed my life. I was working in Vancouver and I was working, uh, this is going to come as a shock, at a bookstore. Um, I like books. And so I was, well, I was working at Oak Ridge Mall. And so there's a bookstore called The Book Company, and we worked there. And, uh, and I, I enjoyed it, but I had a, it, it was a pretty anti-God kind of environment uh, with a lot of my colleagues. But I had one colleague who was, um, who was Eastern Orthodox Christian. So he's an Eastern Christian. And it was kind of cool. We had, a, we had a connection because we were the only two Christians on staff. And uh, his name was Khalig, and I always call him my colleague, Khalig. Um, and so one time, Khalig um, came up to me, and he said, hey, David, he goes, can you help me out? He goes, uh, there's a few of us next week are going to do a poetry reading. And it's kind of in a rough environment. Would you come and kind of give us moral support? I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll come. And so um, I wasn't married yet, so, but I asked the girl that I ended up marrying um, if she wanted to come, to, me to come with me to this poetry reading, not knowing how dingy the place was that we were going to. And so we finally got to the place. It was on Commercial Drive. I don't think the place is around anymore, um, but it was rough. It was a rough place. We walked in there. I'm like, okay, she'll never go on a date with me again. Uh, <laughs> and we sat there, and... Um, I remember this guy in front of me who was sitting down, and he's a big guy. And he was, he was a skinhead, kind of intense. You know what I'm talking about, Doc Martin boots and the whole bit. And uh, he just had lots of things to say about any time anything Christian came up, was spoken. And swear a lot. There was a guy behind me, and I'll, I'll never forget this, and he was, he, I don't know what it was the matter, he was, he was like he was tripping out or something, but he was dancing, and he's taking off his clothes, putting on his clothes, taking off his clothes, and I'm like, oh man, oh man, right? And then my friends would go up, and they would read their poetry. And they would read their poetry, and of course the skinhead would be, holla, blanca, blanca, ha, 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 and he'd just start yelling at them and swearing at them. And I'm like, wow, this is, this is pretty, pretty rough. And, and this carried on, and it got pretty intense. But then I remember, I'll never forget this. My friend's wife went up, and she, um, she had a candle. And she went up with her friend. They dripped wax all over the floor. 
And she went up with her friend. And she says, you know what, I get it. You guys probably aren't happy that we're here. I don't want to spill this all over. You're probably not happy that we're here. We get that. Um, if it's okay, what I'd like to do is introduce to you some Eastern Orthodox chant. And it's, it's just a song that we'd like to sing. And then they began singing it. And I'll never forget it because it was a dark, dark, dingy place. As they began to sing, and they're holding a candle, the light of the candle, like I'll remember this like yesterday, the light of the candle just started to expand and expand and expand. The skinhead went quiet. The guy who was dancing went quiet. The whole place went quiet. And the light pushed back the darkness. And the darkness didn't understand it. And I'll never forget that, that moment. And I thought, man, the light has come. And the thing is, there's people throughout time who have given witness to the coming of the light. And I'm thankful that one of the guys who gave witness to this, his, his name was Jeff. And he met me in a hotel in Hong Kong just about six, seven weeks after the car accident. And he said to me, David, the light has come. And my life was never the same again. So what do all these witnesses have in common? Well, two things. One is they're willing to be a witness. And secondly, they're willing to bear witness. So what does it mean to be a witness? Well, to be a witness is, is simple. It's just to point and to point away from ourselves. To be a witness is to get out of the way <laughs> so that people can see the light of the world. When John's disciples leave him and start to follow Jesus, John doesn't say, hey, hey, you're my followers back, boys. No, he says, go, go. And at one point, uh, John says, you know, I need to decrease and Jesus needs to increase. What a posture. And a big part of being a witness is getting out of the way and realizing that life is not really about us. It's about pointing to how great Jesus is. And I've said this before, but the posture of the Christian life is not to talk at somebody. Nobody wants to be talked at. You need to do this. I mean, we're good at that, right? But the posture of the Christian life is to come alongside and point and say, man, look how beautiful Jesus is. That's our posture. We don't speak at people. Nobody wants to be spoken at. I hate being spoken at. We just point. Now, here's the problem, though. As Christians, we don't always do well at getting out of the way, do we? And what happens is we end up saying, yes, look at Jesus in me. Actually, don't even bother looking at Jesus. Look at Jesus in me. And this gets really weird. I had a friend of mine, and I don't know, he's trying to impress me once. We we're out running, and he said to me, he goes, David, he goes, all I want in life is to be a man of God. And I said, man, that's really stupid. <laughs> he goes, well, uh, shouldn't I be a man of God? I said, no. I said, if you try so hard to be a man of God, you'll miss Jesus. 
and you're just going to try to puff yourself up, make yourself look a certain way. I said, that's where we go wrong all the time. Our goal is not to become men and women of God. No, our goal is to look at Jesus. But it gets, it, gets, it gets dodgy, though, because if we start saying, look at me, look at how godly I am, be like me, well, then it, gets, it gets weird because, I mean, this is where all cults start. Because if you're charismatic, if you've got a big personality, and look at me, look how godly I am, and you've got a big personality, that's where a cult gets formed. And what is a cult? It's simply Jesus and. If you want to know what a cult is, it's Jesus and. And the and takes over Jesus. It also gets dodgy, too, because if you are a leader, if, if you are a leader and you are charismatic, then you can do all sorts of abuse and manipulation by saying, look at me as a symbol of God. Oh, my. So many Christian leaders hit the ditch because of this. It's not about us at all. Don't get in the way. Don't conflate yourself with Jesus. But point to Jesus. Okay, so that's, what does it mean to be a witness? Well, we need to be like John. We decrease and Jesus increases. It's about embracing humility. Now, humility doesn't mean to be a doormat. Humility is what C.S. Lewis says. It's not about thinking less of yourself, but it's about thinking of yourself less. Thank you, yeah. And so what does it mean to bear witness? Well, it means to carry with us the truth of who Jesus is. And to know it so well in our head and in our hearts that we're willing to share the good news to people around, within our circles, people who come across our paths. And we don't need to be afraid. We don't need to be afraid of sharing about Jesus because, one, Jesus is the light. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Our lives will only work when they're connected to Jesus. So by pointing people to Jesus and saying, hey, if you, if, your life, if you want your life to work the way it's designed to work, Get connected with the grand architect, Jesus. And so we need to know the truth. The truth is that our long expectations, the world's long expectations, have been realized in Jesus. A new age has dawned. The kingdom of God has broken in. The history that we live in is not circular. It doesn't repeat itself, but there's a beginning and an end. And how we live our lives between the two advents, the first coming of Jesus and the second coming of Jesus, how we live our lives matters. Our life matters. We're invited into something much bigger than ourselves. I was reading an article this week of how many men just really struggle with finding purpose and meaning in their lives. Well, if you try to instill it on your own, you're not going to get anywhere. I tried that. I make a lousy God. I'm no good at this. But Jesus said, hey, I am writing the story. Why don't you become part of this? Well, then we're invited into something much, much bigger than ourselves. And it's not about ourselves. It's about Jesus. And the truth is, is that God has entered into the details of history. And he will enter the details of our lives. See, I've said this before, but God does not love humanity. God does not love humanity. But he loves you in the details of your life. God's not a generalist God. He's a detailed God. He loves you, Josh. 
right? He loves you. He knows everything about you. His love is so infinite, he can love you finitely. And he loves us in the details of our lives. One more awkward truth I need to bear, <laughs> tell you about this. Um, the word witness, does any, any, any uh, geeky Greek people here <laughs> who know Greek, uh, the Greek language? Yeah, does anybody know what the Greek word for um, witness is? Yeah, 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 it's where we get the word martyr, yeah. Martyrs. It's where, so the word witness actually means martyr. You translate it into English, it actually means martyr. Martyr means witness. And so we, I mean, we can't forget the fact that there is a cost to discipleship. The number, every year, the number one persecuted people group in the world is Christians. There is a cost to discipleship. There is a cost to bearing witness. We know that. I mean, John the Baptist, he died. All the disciples died, except for uh, John. John, uh, the author, he was exiled to, to Patmos. So there is a cost to discipleship. But man, if Jesus is life, how, how can we not bear witness? So how do we respond to all this? Well, we need to be a witness. Don't get in the way. It's not about you. It's not about me. The paradox of the Christian life is when we lose our lives, we find it. Secondly, we are to bear witness. We need to know the truth and proclaim it with grace and love, knowing that there's a cost to discipleship. But the most important response is captured in one word. It's in the passage. It's the word believe. Believe. Now notice, John does not say sincerely believe. He doesn't say deeply believe. He doesn't say entirely believe or try really hard to believe. He doesn't add these qualifiers. Why? Because then it becomes about us. Am I trying hard enough? No. It's just believe. Do you know what my big prayer was when I was in a hotel room in Shanghai when I gave my life to Jesus? You know what my, 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 my beautifully crafted prayer was? God, if you're real, I'm in. That was it. It was like, I don't know. If you're real, I'm in. I'll tell you when I said that, when I prayed that, it's like a huge weight came off my back. And I felt the freedom that comes from no longer having to be God of your own life. No longer to have to instill meaning into this life. I'm like, God, you, 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 you deal with it. <laughs> and there's freedom. Now, some of you are here this morning, and your hearts are maybe strangely warmed as we were being walking through this. And you feel God saying, all right, come. Now, I would encourage you, it doesn't have to be a fancy prayer. Just, all right, God, if you're real, I'm in. <laughs> it's a dangerous prayer, though, because your life will never be the same again. Now, some of you may be here, and you're like, man, I've, been wand I've wandered for too far and too long, and there's, I mean, God's just mad at me. I've, I've come back to him, so he's, he, he's got to be tired of this stuff. 
To which I'll tell you, no, he's not. He's a God of a million chances. And so some of you who've been on the edges for a while and thinking, oh, there's no way God will ever welcome me back. Turn to him and say, all right, God, I'm in again. And he will receive you with open arms because of the cross of Christ. Do you believe this? Not deeply believe, but do you believe this? Just believe. Throw yourself on God. All right, well, let's pray. Jesus, we come before you and we recognize that the light has come. We come before you with open hands saying, all right, God, if you're the real thing, we're in. We're thankful for the cross of Christ that all the things that separate us from you have been dealt with once and for all through the cross where Jesus died the death that we should have died but did not stay dead but was raised to new life and witnessed by hundreds of people and witnessed through millions of people throughout history. Our lives will never work the way they're supposed to work unless they're aligned to you, the author of life. And so we come before you and we say we're in. Take us as we are. That's our desire. We lay this before you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. If you've been listening to our sermons, but you're not a part of a church community, we would love to have you join us. You can go to cachurch.ca slash railcity to find out more information about getting involved in the life and mission of the Rail City campus of CA Church.